Welcome to the Power Trends Podcast, produced by the New York Independent System Operator, where we discuss energy planning, public policy, and other issues affecting New York's power grid. Hello, and welcome to the Power Trends Podcast. I am Kevin Lanahan, Vice President, External Affairs, Corporate Communications at the New York Independent System Operator. And in this edition of our Power Trends podcast, we bring back two energy subject matter experts from the U.S. Energy Administration to talk about what we can expect with winter electricity prices. We have with us once again, Tyler Hodge, Senior Economist in the Office of Energy Analysis at the U.S. Energy Information Administration, and Karina Ricker, Certified Data Scientist, working as the lead modeler on the natural gas markets team at the EIA. Tyler, Karina, welcome back. Thanks for joining us on this podcast. Yeah, thanks for having us back, Kevin. Good to be here. Thanks. We last had you here in August. We talked about electricity prices. Then we were discussing and warning about some of the escalating natural gas prices that the EIA was seeing and how global events, domestic economic factors were driving up costs that were impacting the wholesale electric prices back here in New York. And ultimately retail end users' bills. We're going to continue with the same theme. The EIA puts out a lot of information that's important for our listeners to know about in this area. I'm guessing we're going to hear a similar message, but before we dive into those details, I think it's important we remind listeners what the EIA is and what you do. Um, You're housed in the Department of Energy, and you are by law charged with providing an impartial and unbiased voice and source of information on the energy industry, energy markets, policy, data, and analysis. It sounds an awful lot like what we do here at the New York Independent System Operator, although we are not a government agency or affiliated with a government agency in any way. Anything else in that description that you'd like to highlight for folks so that they understand what you do? I think that's a pretty good description. As you mentioned, we're part of the Department of Energy. Although we are independent, we do offer information and sometimes provide briefings for senior leadership of the Department of Energy. And like you said, a, a lot of organizations rely on our information. So, so yeah, we try to take pride in um, developing the best data and sources of analysis that we can. And uh, that's the important part of what we're going to do here today. So let's just dive right in. Appreciate that, Tyler. So. As I mentioned, we last had you on our podcast in August talking about some of those global and domestic drivers behind higher energy prices. Recently, the EIA issued what you folks call your short-term energy outlook. The headline of that on December 6th was that you expect higher and more volatile wholesale electricity prices in the U.S. this winter. I guess my first question, as we go into winter, increased natural gas prices seem sort of typical, but there's something different here. And if we could talk about some of the current circumstances that might be contributing to the increase in prices at this time. Yeah. Um, so you hit on one of the main drivers of our forecast for increasing prices, and that's that demand for natural gas increases in the U.S. in the winter, mainly because of its use for space heating. And when demand increases, that typically puts upward pressure on prices. So that's one of the factors. And just for some context, we use what's called heating degree days as a measure of how cold it will be in the STEO. And so for some context, in the December STEO, we're forecasting for December, January, and February to have about 3% 
more heating degree days than the 10-year average, so just slightly colder than what's been averaged for the past 10 years. But there is one unique factor this winter, and that's the restart of the Freeport LNG export facility, which has been offline since a fire at that facility in June. And with their most recent announcement, indicates a restart of that facility this month in December. And when that facility begins exporting again, it's essentially an increase in demand for natural gas, which also contributes to our forecast of increasing prices this winter. You know, at a high level, the main takeaway from the December STO is that the Henry Hub spot natural gas prices averaged about $6.50 for 2022. And for 2023, we're expecting that to decline by about a dollar, really driven by an increase in domestic natural gas production that allows our storage inventories to build back to their you know, five-year average levels and surpass those levels, um, driving the decline in prices. So I think it's important to focus on the LNG exports. I'm not sure there's great awareness amongst our listeners, uh, the impact that LNG exports have on the domestic price. So can you explain what's been happening with U.S. as a major exporter of LNG? And it's sort of a, a new phenomenon, but what that impact is? Sure. U.S. LNG export capacity has grown a considerable amount over the past couple of years. And since 2020, in um, 2021 and this year, U.S. LNG export capacity has been utilized at very high levels. And we consider LNG exports as a source of demand for U.S. natural gas. And as I mentioned earlier, an increase in demand will tend to put upward pressure on prices. However, as I mentioned, all of the operational U.S. LNG capacity has been utilized at near maximum rates for the past couple of years. And once that maximum level is reached, there isn't much room for that source of demand to increase further. And I can put LNG exports in context a little bit for you, in context of their level relative to domestic consumption. So in 2022, in the December STO that we've been talking about, we're estimating that LNG exports averaged about 11 BCF per day in 2022. And then for comparison, domestic consumption of natural gas averaged about 88 BCF per day. And exports are increasing to Europe predominantly? Yeah. Well, so in 2020 and 2021, the primary destination for U.S. LNG exports was actually Asia. But this year, prices for natural gas in Europe increased and surpassed prices in Asia. And this attracted more U.S. LNG cargoes to Europe, so much so that Europe has overtaken Asia as the primary destination for U.S. LNG exports. And I think it's probably fair to say, of course, the, the reason for that is the, the constraints on supply in, in Europe in the wake of the war in Ukraine. And that means that there's some increase in production happening here in the U.S. Is that fair to assume, Karina, as a result? We are expecting an increase in production of natural gas in the U.S. The main driver of that is elevated energy prices in general, both for natural gas and for crude oil. The higher natural gas prices will tend to lead to higher levels of drilling and higher levels of production of natural gas. But I also mentioned 
crude oil prices here because of the associated natural gas production that can come along with crude oil production. So if there's increased drilling for crude oil, you'll also get some associated natural gas production with that as well. And we're still seeing some increase in production that is a result of the economic slowdown of the pandemic and then coming out of that. Is that what you're also seeing to some degree? This one's a little bit hard to answer because since the pandemic, when we saw historically low prices for natural gas, prices have increased so much since then that that's one of the big drivers of increasing production. So, you know, if you attribute it to the recovery of the pandemic or, you know, you could just talk about it as a recovery in prices as well. But I I failed to ask about storage capacity right now and where those levels are at. And is there anything there that you can provide our listeners with regard to what the storage situation is currently? Yeah. So in our most recent um, weekly natural gas storage report, natural gas inventories totaled 3,412 BCF which for some context is less than 1% lower than the five-year average level. That's quite a shift from where we were just several weeks ago. And that's as a result of some mild weather for October and November, creating a little bit less demand than we would expect for natural gas and allowing those inventories to get much closer to their five-year average levels. And production of natural gas has been averaging um, around 100 BCF per day around the same time that we are seeing the mild weather. So both of those combined really allowed those inventories to build back um, faster than they normally would. Okay, let's turn to electricity for a moment. And we're seeing some increases, as we've noted here, for the winter. How do you see these wholesale price increases affecting the retail price that consumers are going to be paying back here in New York? Well, yeah, I guess, um, as you mentioned, the the wholesale prices that we're forecasting for the winter are definitely higher in most uh, regions of the U.S., especially in the Northeast. That's particularly true in ISO New England and New York ISO. So we're definitely forecasting an increase in retail electricity prices this winter. But the increase, like I said, is definitely not as extreme as the expected increase in wholesale prices. In our latest short-term energy outlook, we forecast prices at the census division level, not the state level. So, for example, in New York, that would be in the mid-Atlantic region. In that area, we forecast retail residential electricity prices in 2023 will be about 10% higher than in 2022, which is kind of in line with the overall U.S. average. But in New England, Prices are rising slightly faster at about 15% in our forecast. So both those forecasts are still significantly higher than the 1% to 3% increase we saw in retail rates in 2022. And this increase directly related to the fuel costs that the generators are paying in production. Yeah, it ultimately boils down to that because um, uh, the utilities and electric distribution companies, they obviously have to pass along the costs they incur for procuring the electricity. So a lot of times they'll just buy off of the wholesale market. Or if it's like a regulated utility, they may be selling the electricity they produce directly. But in both cases, the costs ultimately boil down to primarily the fuel cost is the biggest driver in wholesale prices. 
But of course, retail prices have a few other components built into them, like um, the cost to maintain the transmission and distribution system. And those are obviously, those change over time, but are definitely much less volatile than wholesale prices or fuel costs, for sure. Yeah, of course, you know, the utilities pass along the cost of the electricity that they procure on the wholesale markets without a markup to consumers. I just want to clarify one item here for our listeners. Compared to last winter, what the increase is for what we're expecting in these heating months coming up, just generally over last year. For retail electricity? Let's focus on the wholesale cost for a moment. Yeah, um, yeah. in terms of wholesale costs, you're probably aware of the prices in October and November the last couple of months were pretty mild, relatively similar to the same months last year. But obviously, especially this week, you know, we're, we're starting to see the cold weather come in and prices in the Northeast are really starting to hit that $200 per megawatt hour level. And that's pretty much where we see on peak prices averaging over the next couple of months. In New England, for January and February, it hovers around $200 per megawatt hour in our forecast for on-peak day-ahead prices. And then the New York ISO, that it averages around, you know, the low 100s to about $150. And then in PJM, a little farther south, the uh, wholesale forecast wholesale price this winter averages around $90 per megawatt hour. Let's take a step back for a moment, get away from the cost drivers and talk about some of the, I think, important observations you guys have made coming out of the pandemic. It looks like you've concluded that there's been an increase in renewable energy production coming out of the pandemic. However, emissions have also been up. Can you explain that? Yeah, as you mentioned, renewables is definitely like the strongest growth, especially in energy generation. But overall, emissions have been growing and one of the main drivers of that is just like you mentioned, the sort of the recovery and energy demand overall, which has been needed to increase generation from gas compared to where it was in the middle of the pandemic. So that's pretty much one of the main reasons for what we're seeing in the increase in um, emissions. And on a longer term basis, Tyler Karina, are you forecasting a continuous steady increase in renewable production on, say, a 10 year time frame? Yeah, unfortunately, I don't have the, the longer term projection numbers here. But um, I mean, in terms of what we're expecting over the next two years, we're definitely seeing a very, a very strong increase in the amount of renewables. So I think in our latest forecast, We estimate that wind and solar is going to grow from about 14% of total U.S. generation in 2022 to 16% in 2023. So I don't have the longer-term forecast off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure that trend will at least continue probably for the next five years or so. And commensurate with that, do we see an increase in petroleum and natural gas consumption as well? So for 2023, for domestic consumption of natural gas, we're expecting a decrease. It's driven by a couple of the different sectors, but mainly 
by a decrease in natural gas consumption in the electric power sector. And I think the main driver behind that is the increase in generation from renewables. So it starts to um, displace some of the consumption of natural gas in the electric power sector in 2023, at least. So renewable energy, fastest growing of our resource mix, but still the most consumed source of energy are probably oil and natural gas on a longer term basis. Is that probably accurate? Well, at least for the electricity, for sure. Um, yeah, natural gas is really kind of still the primary source of uh, power generation. And we don't see renewables surpassing that, at least within the next five years or so. But but they're definitely trending up towards that trajectory. But yes, you're right. I, I think overall fossil fuels, at least for the next year or two, will definitely be the primary source of overall energy in the U.S. Uh, back to New York State for just a moment and, and New England. Just wondering if you can draw some distinctions between what New England is going to be facing this winter and then maybe into next summer versus New York. Do you have any of that data yet in terms of the price? Yeah, for ISO New England, we project in 2023 the average on-peak price will be about $98 for the whole year at the ISO New England internal hub. And then our estimate or forecast for the NISO average price, which we actually use the Hudson Valley zone as sort of our primary representative price for that area. We see the forecast annual price next year at $83 per megawatt hour. So slightly lower. And then that's probably reflective of some of the challenges that ISO New England has in obtaining fuel for some of its power generators, especially during the winter months. Whereas uh, New York has a little bit more access to neighboring power markets too, so they can take advantage of some interregional trading there a little bit more so than ISO New England. All right. Well, you guys have been great. I, this is uh, terrific. Really appreciate it. I think this is really helpful information. Thank you. Yeah, it was good to join you today. Thank you for joining us. As a reminder, the New York Independent System Operator, NISO for short, is responsible for reliably managing New York's power grid and energy markets and providing independent data to policymakers and the public. For more independent info, please visit the NISO blog at www.nyiso.com blog.